It's Monday, November 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Monday. Thank you. It's going to be a short week for us. Let me just get that out of the way right now for those who thought, hey, it's the start of another full week of Market Foolery. Are we the Walmart of podcasts where we, we early and often Friday and even Thursday now? No, we're not. We're, we are not. <laughs> no, we're Costco. We're the Costco. We're Costco. We're not. We're not open on Thursday. Probably not going to be open on Wednesday. But we're here today. Really? You're mailing it in Wednesday? Uh, no, mailing it in would suggest that I was actually going to be here, and I'm just sort of going about it haphazardly. I'm saying I don't think anyone's going to be here, but that's to be determined. We'll see. All right, we'll see. Let's talk so about. So it'd your... be like a bonus if if, <laughs> you, if somebody shows up to do your job on Wednesday. You know what I think we do? Maybe uh, we get Dan Boyd in here from the other side yes. of the glass, and the three of us just hash out the conversation that we just had that went almost 20 minutes talking about sports broadcasters. And, and that's just sort of, maybe that's, maybe that's the Wednesday podcast. Or maybe not. Uh, let's talk about the trip you just got back. You just went on a mammoth trip with uh, Charlie Travers, your colleague at Motley Fool Funds. You guys were in Dubai. You were in London. Uh, let's talk about Dubai. You were there for a conference. What type yep. of companies were there? Uh, well, at the conference, it was a healthcare conference. I mean, okay. did you do no research for this? I did almost no research for this. Well, there were healthcare companies. Okay. Any of interest? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, the thing about Dubai, I was also in Abu Dhabi, which is a, a place down the road uh, from an emirate, not a place uh, down the road from Dubai uh, that I used to spend a lot of time in uh, nearly 20 years ago. And so I got to see how both had changed in the 20 years that I've been away. And uh, they've, they've changed even more than I have in those 20 years, which is hard to believe. Uh, but what's going on in, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi is uh, oil money has been very, very, very good for Abu Dhabi. And Dubai, uh, which is actually not an oil center and not an uh, oil producer in any meaningful way, but is a sort of trade hub for really the world now, uh, transit and, and trade and finance, uh, so, what is going on in both of those emirates is a fair amount of cash uh, that is available to the governments, which is uh, in both cases more or less, uh, I won't go through the whole United Arab Emirates structure of government, but uh, there's a lot of money that has been saved over the last few years in Abu Dhabi's case by uh, oil revenues and the price of oil being where it's been for the last four years. Uh, and that's a major topic of conversation these days. Uh, but the the government is flush with money, and they're they're channeling it into improved healthcare and improved education, so that the uh, local residents uh, will use and can have better access to higher end education and healthcare, and also will not travel out of the country to get it. Were there any? Were there any trends that you saw in the companies that were presenting at this conference? Were there any sort of themes that you thought, okay, this this appears to be a growth industry within healthcare. There will be some winners. Now we have to figure out which companies are actually going to be those winners. Well, so we didn't just see healthcare companies at the conference. We had a couple of days before the conference to visit companies outside of the healthcare space, but throughout. Abu Dhabi and Dubai, the the word is, is and the feeling and the uh, results are basically things are going great, things are just going great for these places. And again, this is a function of 
the oil money coming in, uh, they are they and Saudi are basically the low cost producers of oil, and so at the prices of above a hundred dollars a barrel, which were available until recently, they're swimming in money, uh, and they are using it to keep the population happy. Uh, you know, the the royal family is basically in control of all the wealth, but they distribute uh, as much as they need to to keep people from becoming displeased with them. Uh, and so it's a good move. Uh, it is a good move because Arab Spring is is something which affected a lot of other places uh, not that long ago, uh, but not the the UAE. So they they are playing their cards much better in terms of sharing the wealth, uh, despite keeping plenty of it uh, in their own hands. Uh, they do a much better better job of of supporting the the lower end of of their society. When you go to a conference like this, are you talking with other analysts? I'm I'm assuming at a conference in Dubai, you've got analysts maybe from all over the world, certainly from Europe. Um, Was there any discussion about the U.S. stock market? And I'm just just thinking, if I were uh, the... Berlin version of Bill Barker, and I run into the U.S. version of Bill Barker, I'm probably asking him a few questions about the U.S. stock market and what the sentiment is over here. Did any of that happen? No, not really. I mean, they were there to, in casual conversations outside of the structure of the conference. Uh, It was much more us uh, talking to both the uh, analysts and, and the other investors about their experiences, what they liked out there, uh, because for the most part, uh, places that manage money and have people investing don't do so with generalists the way we do typically in our company, where a Jeff Fisher uh, will know and be following a lot of different industries. Uh, and the same thing with the Motley Fool asset management, where people are responsible for a number of different sectors and a number of different uh, companies around the world. Uh, you know, things are much more siloed in most other places. So the people who were there were there to get better educated about uh, things in the Middle East, North Africa. Uh, rather, they, they nobody that we talked to really had a sort of a global mandate. Tell me about London. Were you at another conference? Were you meeting with companies there? Yeah, there was a Japan conference that I uh, so I get on a plane. Two thirty in the morning in, in the Dubai airport to get to London by six a.m. and the Dubai airport at two thirty in the morning is one of the most busy and crowded and chaotic places in the world. At two thirty in the morning. Two thirty in the morning. Yes, yes. It's like an hour and a half wait to get through security. Are there other points in the day when it's calmer? It's the most busy airport in the world, and one of the reasons it is is because it goes twenty four hours a day. If you go to O'Hare. That's a busy airport, but there are regulations. You know, you can't fly, you can't schedule flights out of O'Hare at twelve thirty. You know that that's that's not done in this country, and most other places. But in Dubai, you know, that's out. So two thirty, three, three thirty, four. You've got loads of people flying in and out, and uh, uh, you know, I was in a full flight going at two thirty in the morning to London. Um, so that that was the start of my my trip, and I. I Managed to stay awake. Not that I was in London. Not that I necessarily care about your personal well-being, but two thirty a.m. flight. Not necessarily. I mean, we know you don't. Right. Landing in London at six. Are you then getting off the plane and going straight to this conference? Yeah, that's how we roll, man. <laughs> that's 
There are no hours off in Motley Fool Asset Management. Uh, plenty of coffee, I hope. <sighs> but in, insufficient, inadequate coffee. You know, it's 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 all like espresso drinks. You know, if you you get like get an americano or something, if you want brewed, quasi brewed coffee there. So if you like your your espresso and cappuccino, you're fine. But if you want just coffee brewed coffee like we drink here, like you and I are drinking, uh, then you're you're out of luck. So the coffee situation was disappointing. I'm not that anybody's shedding tears for me on that. <laughs> um, any themes emerging from the? Uh, Conf- uh, the conference in London, where you're meeting with Japanese companies. Yeah, you know, the, there's definitely less of a spirit of we're all doing great, right? I mean, J- you're in the Middle East, or not everywhere in the Middle East. Certainly, there are places in the Middle East that aren't doing well at all. But in the Emirates, uh, everybody—the the banking, the real estate development, healthcare, um, other services, logistics—that we met with, everybody's just got. Tons to do, and then you know they're they're just growing every year. And the biggest challenge for companies like that is, uh, what is the next big opportunity for us? It's not how are we going to survive. Yeah, and it, it's because so much of the spending that comes through these companies is ultimately from the government. The government spending, oil revenues. You know, the the concerns are much more macro. Uh, now, Japan's got lots of macro concerns, but uh, you know, I I didn't meet with. Uh, as many companies there in the short period of time that I had, but you know, the spirit of how things are going in Japan is not nearly, you know, as upbeat. That said, uh, one of the people that I met with went into uh, his his discussion of how Japan is now moving more toward a, you know, winner take all kind of uh, economy where the zombie companies that are propped up and have been propped up for decades in Japan of not really, you know, covering their cost of capital, but they are just supported by government decisions so that, you know, people stay employed at these things and nothing gets disrupted, that under Abe, things are changing. And the, the winners are going to win much more and the losers are going to be gone. We'll see. I mean, I suppose it depends on which company you work at or what, which industry you're involved in, because that can be very liberating. That can also be terrifying. Yes, if you're at a zombie company, I think, uh, and and you're living in denial about the competitive strengths and weaknesses of your company, and just thinking that, well, nobody's ever going to make the changes that would actually make all the bad decisions. Uh, you know, come to cost employees their jobs. That, you know, keep your eyes open if if you're working for one of those companies and you're in Japan because. At least some think that those days are numbered. You were traveling over the weekend, so I'm guessing this was not something that really hit your radar. But on last Friday here in the States, once again, the Dow and S&P 500 hitting new highs. And what was really driving it was the one-two punch of China lowering interest rates for the first time in two and a half years, and the EU central bank expanding their own version of the QE program. Now that you've had time to digest that news a little bit, is that... Now that you've brought it up over the last 10 seconds? Well, presumably, uh, yeah. How quickly do you think I digest? Uh, When it comes to news, I think you digest pretty quickly. Um, Obviously, in in the very short term of just Friday's market action, it was seen as very good news. What is your take, though? Is it is is this in fact a good 
long-term move? I mean, wh- one of the jokes we were making on the radio show was, oh, they, they finally, you know, pe- people are finally watching what happened with Ben Bernanke and Janet Yellen and uh, stealing a page out of their playbook. Yeah, I, I don't think there's uh, too, too much more to it than that. What they have tried in Europe in terms of austerity, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, tighter monetary policy has not worked out for them uh, as well as things have worked for the U.S. and for uh, England. Um, and, you know, China's a, a different story, but the EU uh, has had years of being able to reassess whether going down the same path that they've been on for five or six years now is, is getting them to a better place, or, or is it just returning them to recession again and again and again? Maybe now is the time to try something new. And I think that, you know, the, look, the markets love, the equity markets love cheaper money for, for companies to have to work with. That's that's all to the good. There's no real nuance in that. There's no. no. Lower interest rates, good for equities. <laughs> Always. I mean, it, now it, it may not be sustainable. You can find plenty of intelligent people that'll write and have written for years that this is all doomed. Uh, but uh, so far, uh, the money has has uh, flocked to the U.S. equities uh, and and sort of away from you know, England had a or uh, Europe had a decent year uh, in terms of equity results last year. Uh, but it, it's they're back, you know, verging on recession again. I think it, it is a uh, there is an assumption uh, among the economists and among analysts uh, that that Europe is is into recession, you know, yet again, coming the coming year. So this may this may be a good move. Um, I don't I don't do a lot of that type of type of macro analysis, but I think it is worth trying something new. Well, as you said, particularly in Europe, where the last five or six years, you just sort of look at how the markets have done in general and the economies in general. I'm guessing it was a relatively easy sell to just sort of look back and say, um, this is what we've been doing, and it's not really working, and why don't we try this other thing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, uh, China, still growing, uh, who knows at what rate, because of the official statistics on it, uh, nobody believes they're exactly accurate, but, but they're trending down, right? I mean, and <laughs> Let's pause for a second. Do you suppose there's any recognition of that? If when you when you get to the 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 most inner circle of Ch- of China's central bank, do you suppose there's any recognition in the room amongst the people who are in that room that well this this is the number we're going to tell people ah I don't think anyone's going to buy it. Do you think there's any joking about that or any like there's got to be some joking. about it. I like it. to think that there's just a little bit that yeah. there's at least one person in the room said oh, oh really this is the number <laughs> we're going to tell. All right, let's see if they buy it. I don't know if I would. Yeah, I, I think there's some some appreciation. They're not dumb, uh, but China's uh, also got to maintain a very very fast growing economy, or else uh, political pressures there get to be too much for the government, and uh, the government's pretty good at uh, survival. So th- this is the the thing that they're going to try now. And uh, you, you're, I'm just you're very you're very trendy today. You're I very am. black. 
uh, I had terms a, of, you know, what, what's going on here? I had a meeting outside the office this morning. Was and it I, like at a themed meeting? No, no, no. I have a sports coat that I'm not wearing right now. It is not black. So I'm not, I, I didn't go full on Johnny Cash wardrobe to this meeting. Next week, maybe. <laughs> maybe next week. A bolo uh, tie, maybe? Uh, I don't think I own a bolo tie. You would know. Don't don't act like you don't know. No, have I, you ever owned a bolo tie? I think once, decades ago, I think someone gave me a bolo tie, but somewhere along the way, I lost it or it, it didn't make a move with me when I moved from one place or they're not that big in Maine, are they? Bolo ties? Yeah. No. 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 Not no. as big as they are in, say, Texas. Yeah. You were just in Texas. Did you talk about that last week? Um, you were in Austin. I was. It was Austin? two weeks ago. I yeah, guess. it was two yeah. weeks ago. Did you talk about it? A little bit, yeah. Which way you pick up a bolo tie there? Not apparently. Um, thought about it. You know, you at the airport in Austin, Texas. Let me just say this about that airport: there's some good food to be had there. You can't say that about every airport in the world. I don't know what the the menu choices are in Dubai's airport. There, there, it's uh, everything's open at two in the morning. <laughs> So there's it's well, nice. Well, they got that going for them. Yeah. Um, no, there are a lot of good food options at the airport in Austin. But then there's the prototypical, as you might imagine, oh, here's the store where you can buy cowboy hats and boots. And uh, Morgan Housel, actually, uh, Jill Ralph took a photo of Morgan Housel in a cowboy hat that was made entirely of beer boxes, like the, 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 the cardboard mm-hmm. uh, six-pack boxes. Yeah, someone... some. Someone with a lot of ingenuity decided, yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a bunch of these. I'm going to make a cowboy hat out of it. So, And, of course, bolo ties as well. But I, I didn't. Bought some sauce. Bought some barbecue sauce. Yeah. You, you know, like share that? Or it's all, you finished it off already? I haven't finished it off. No. No. What are you going to barbecue? Uh, pretty much anything. <laughs> That's the great thing about barbecue. You can barbecue pretty much yeah. anything. Um, any last thoughts before we... Peter out on some conversation about barbecuing? Uh, oil. <laughs> Oil's very big out there. I mean, there's a couple weeks ago, Bill Mann and I were with you talking about the theories on the oil manipulation or price fixing that, that may or may not be going on by uh, Saudi and, and the U.S. in, or, in terms of uh, harming Russia and Iran. I mean, everybody talks about that out there. They all assume that it's the case, or if not assume that it's the case, recognize the the intelligence behind that type of, of plan. The only variable about whether the only thing that people pause about at all in thinking through it is whether the U.S. would sign on to a plan that does uh, endanger some of the shale production, which of course they would like to do uh, from the, the Middle East. But being friends with us, they, they know that that's uh, a, a major driver of, of employment here and has been and has been one of the really bright spots uh, for the economy here. So there's a price at which probably if you buy into this, and it's not like I was meeting with people who had the ability to control the price of oil, but uh, it's it's definitely a, a theme out there that the, the governments out there can survive $80, $70 uh, oil. Uh, and that places like Russia and Iran are, are going to be in serious trouble. And uh, the, therefore, you know, when you're evaluating whether oil is going to break back to previous levels and, and when and, and how quickly uh, and, and whether the companies that are servicing uh, oil 
are good investments now. Some of them are down 70% this year. Uh, in, in our funds, we have some like that. Uh, but I think you've really got to do your calculations on how long they can survive oil at different prices and, and how much exploration is going to be uh, triggered or shut off at different prices. And, and if it's at this level uh, for another year and a half, I, I think you know there are some things that are going to be in, in real trouble. You can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. Go to foolfunds.com. You can sign up for Declarations, their monthly newsletter. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 